The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening on. We have some exciting things happening at Family Education and Support Services. I just got off a meeting for our gala that is happening this Friday. So tickets are available and we also have a ton of silent auctions so you can come out and support wherever you are. Just go to familyess.org to learn more. I hope you get involved. When our children are really going through it, they're really having a tough time, it's really tempting to just focus in on the problem. How can I fix this problem? But that's not always the answer. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to be solution-focused. Our guest is a solution-focused therapist, Craig Smith. Craig has been working with youth who have been through extreme trauma for over 15 years, and he's just now starting a private practice. You can learn more about Craig and his work by going to ExpansiveCounseling.com. All right, let's hear what he has to say. But then it's kind of the after effects. Are they able to process that and be able to move on with their life? And that, or does it continue to be problematic? Do they continue to relive those experiences? And those kinds of, that's kind of what separates the people who really suffer from trauma from the people who can move on. Totally. Well, and there's also long-term sustained trauma and then one traumatic event too. Yeah. And oftentimes that that's, you can refer to that as kind of chronic trauma. And a lot of times it's not just one event, but something that's been happening to people over and over and over Mm -hmm. just behavior towards them that doesn't recognize their existence. Yeah. Well, so say a kid has been traumatized. They've been through something. How does that usually manifest or appear in children, what kind of behaviors tend to show up? Uh, There's some pretty common behaviors. Um, Kiddos tend to live with a very high level of stress uh, if they're really suffering from trauma and that that really impacts their ability to pay attention. So you might see a lot of impulsivity, a lot of difficulty tracking within class, especially in classrooms with uh, numerous other kiddos where there's a lot of stimulus. It could just be Mm -hmm. overwhelming and there's a lot of problems that come out of that. Um, the inability to regulate their own emotions is pretty common as well. Um, and then also just the inability to get along with other people and the inability to get along with themselves. Um, it's kind of like living that life in a very out of control and chaotic way where it's difficult to trust people. Mm. Yeah. So challenges at school, challenges, just controlling yourself and challenges with relationships with other people. So yeah, I, yeah, I want to hit on all three of those. I know in a lot of the youth that I've worked with, it's like some of them just have extreme ADD. Is that something you can medicate away or, or what can you do about that? 
I mean, medication does often work. Um, the, the ADD is kind of interesting in that they, uh, they kind of find out if it's ADD by giving them medication and if the medication works, then they have ADD. Um, a lot of times that's anxiety that looks like AD and ADD, and that might be anxiety from traumatic incidents or just poor attachment when they were younger. Um, and that, that's, that's an interesting point. So, uh, and it's ADHD. I learned that from Dr. Holtum. ADD doesn't exist anymore. Right. But so trauma can look like ADHD, but it doesn't necessarily mean like if they're acting like that, that they have ADHD. No, no, no. A lot of times what you're seeing is just elevated levels of stress and elevated levels of anxiety and the struggle that they're going on within to be able to control themselves and then the kind of mm -hmm. combustion and outbreaking. So you can try medication, but if medication doesn't work, what can you do then? Well, there is medication for anxiety as well. And that's generally how prescribers do it is they start with one. And if that doesn't work, then they go to the next. Um, the actual kind of behavioral stuff is I'm a solution focused therapist. Um, solution focused therapy is an evidence-based practice, but it's unique in the sense that you don't actually have to talk about your trauma. The mm -hmm. idea is that when you're trying to find solutions, they don't necessarily have to be connected to the problems and solutions are going to be unique to every single uh, person, regardless of what their age or where they come from. And it's also unique to families as well. Uh, so it's kind of more of a process about what's going to work for them. Okay. So it's not so much going into like, okay, this happened to you. How do you feel about that? It's what then? Uh, you know, there, there is absolutely space if people, some people just feel that need to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. But solution-focused therapy doesn't require that. And the idea is that there's a lot of problems that result in, uh, as, a, as a result of trauma, uh, the difficulty just functioning with life. And you can work with that and find solutions for them to kind of grow and to become more than what they were today for tomorrow without having to directly address that trauma, which is really good for containment because you know, that can be very re-triggering for kiddos, especially to go back and have to relive that over and over and over. They're already having that experience and sometimes they just don't want that. So then it's kind of finding what works for the kid? Absolutely. Trauma has this impact on people and kiddos, especially because they, they're at such a disadvantage of power of that feeling of kind of life constricting from within. Yeah. Um, and so what you're doing is you're trying to find out from them where do they feel comfortable at? Where do they feel safe? Where can they grow? What do they want to become better at? And that's going to, again, be unique to each person. And the idea of how I operate is I want to focus more on what their capacities are to be able to cope with what they're dealing with. I want to find out um, what their hopes are for a better future. Mm -hmm. And you know, there, there's a science of neuroplasticity that comes into this that's very interesting. So the more that someone can actually talk about what their preferred future is, the more that they can talk about what their capacity is to deal with the challenges that they've gone on, that they have going on in their lives at this point in time, um, the more that they can talk about their past when those problems weren't there, the exceptions to what they're dealing with, they're so, actually rewiring how their brain works. And that rewiring is the change. The change is actually happening in the conversation. And then they take that out into the world and that affects how they relate and act with other people. So for example, then if a kid came 
say they're talking with their parents and they're like, I'm nervous all the time. I always feel anxious. What should a parent say to them? Well, I, it's a very good place you can start. Well, when, where, where have you not felt anxious? Where do you feel comfortable at? Um, where do you feel strong at? Has there ever been a time in the past that you have? And then you're looking for those specific instances. And then once you can get those conversations going in that direction, um, there's going to be a whole wealth of information about things to build on that are going to be unique to that specific person. Mm -hmm. So say a child has ADD or ADHD or doesn't, but they're having a tough time at school. I think that's a tough place to be because then the school teachers are down at you. The staff is down yeah. on you and that doesn't feel good. And then you're going into the school for a meeting. How can you navigate that with a kid who's been through trauma? There's going to be specific instances that are triggering for kiddos who have suffered from trauma. And being able to actually just see them and see what's going through, see what works for them and what doesn't work for them is communicating a sense of safety to kiddos. And then when you find out what is working for them, you can do more of that. Uh, so I think just starting from the beginning of seeing what they're actually going through. Um, and then, and then the other part is too, is really focusing on what does work for the kiddo. Yeah. So just connecting with what works. What's the one thing in school that you're into? Yeah, absolutely. Or what's the one thing after school that you're into? Uh, who's the teacher that you actually feel like, hey, I feel kind of safe and calmer around this teacher? Uh, mm -hmm. Learning about those things. And it's not even that you have to tailor the entire environment around it. Uh, just getting kiddos to talk about that is going to be changing how their brain is working. So what about when you have a kid that's just very down all the time, they're feeling low energy, and it's like, what's a time you feel comfortable? Never. What's <laughs> a, uh, you know, because a lot of kids yeah. can get like that, and that's a tough place. And um, for parents, it can feel very powerless when your yeah. child's that down. That is a lot of, in terms of practicing solution focused, and, and I practice solution focused therapy, but solution focus can take place in any realm. You don't have to have some degree in it. Um, but maintaining that conversation, that, for, that specific form of conversation can be very difficult. Uh, it re can require some skill. You know, in that instance, when you're talking about a kiddo that is just really suffering from de depression, it, it's good to just recognize and accept where they're at because that's going to communicate a sense of safety to them. Um, but also you can reframe those questions in that, geez, life seems pretty difficult right now. What, how are you still here? How are you getting up in the morning? What are you mm. What is working for you? And you can kind of, the more skilled you get, the more you can kind of come back to those conversations and get them talking about that, that direction. Um, another trick is you can kind of flip that around and ask, and this is designed to be able to give them a sense of empowerment. If you were going to make yourself depressed, what would you do? And so then they get to start talking about like, oh, okay, my actions really do affect how I feel. And that's what you're really going for with solution-focused therapy is get them to understand that they actually do have power. They can have power over their own lives. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big part of the healing. You talked about kids that have trouble maintaining friendships. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. Like they can't keep friends. They don't have a lot of friends. How can you get them to be more social and develop friendships? 
feels like that's kind of on them, but you have to help them somehow. It, it is, and, it, and it's just to acknowledge, just to start with, um, that's a really painful experience to see your own children or children that you care about and love to be feeling that sense of loneliness and isolation when they're around you know, other kiddos at school. That's just difficult in and of itself. So first of all, if you're kind of going through that and you're going, if you're going through that with kiddos, self-care for you is really important. You know, mm -hmm. where, where, what, what helps you kind of have patience with those kinds of situations? Because that's what the kiddo really needs. Um, in terms of uh, getting them engaged socially, again, it's kind of coming back for whatever has worked for that specific kiddo in the past, trying to find those exceptions. When, when did something work? And then you're, you're starting the conversation from there. Now, they might have something that they love. They might love playing basketball or they might love rapping. Um, and a lot of times, if you can get kiddos involved in those conversations, what you're going to find out is like, hey, I like being able to participate in kiddos in this type of environment. Um, and a lot of times what you're going to get those answers to are something that they love and something that's structured, but it doesn't have to be. Maybe the kiddo experiences their life with a high level of structure all the time. And it's just being outside after school with the neighborhood kids where they're not really being watched. That might be a time that they feel comfortable, but it's having those conversations with them and being connected with them and helping them kind of rewire their brain to have a more positive outlook. Yeah. Well, I like what you're saying about maybe if you can get them in a structured environment where they can be social, but it's not like they're having to figure it out all themselves, like there's something for them to be doing. Yeah, just participating. Yeah, it's sort of like the training wheels of being social. If you can just get them in a structured class or workshop or team or whatever. And when you're talking about, um, well, I was talking about that. Uh, feeling of what people have when they experience trauma of that feeling of life constricting from within mm -hmm. you're getting out and for kiddos when they get out and they participate something like that their world is opening up now they're becoming expansive that is the healing why is it important to ask kids about their future because I, I know that like future oriented questions are a good thing we all think about our future we as humans have a consciousness that's aware of our own future. We're aware of our own finite existence on this planet. Hmm. Um, but how you perceive that future can be a limitless amount of ways. And a lot of times when people have experienced trauma, their future, their experience of future is that, you know, it doesn't change. Um, it's not going to be good. Um, and so that's not to say that they're already experiencing that future-oriented kind of uh, worldview. And what you can do as responsible adults in those kinds of situations is to kind of help rewire their brain to start experiencing the future with more hope. What would they like out of the world? Those are two entirely different existences. Yeah. If a kid has trauma when they're young, are they just set for lifelong issues uh, with trauma? No. no, no. In fact, a lot of times, I think I mentioned it earlier, uh, people who go through traumatic instance, instances, if they get that love, if they feel that safety afterwards and they have strong social connections, um, they're around people that see them, you know, when they're at this particular time of the day, they're having a hard time. And then the responsible adults around them can make adjustments and uh, they know the kiddo well enough to know what's going to soothe them. They communicating that I see you, you're safe. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when kiddos get that following traumatic incidences, they're not going to have lifelong problems with trauma, but mm -hmm. 
But even lifelong problems of trauma uh, oftentimes tend to be what shapes our growth. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah, it is. It seems like for a lot of people, the tough times you go through kind of get make you stronger and more prepared for your future. It makes you tougher. You know, there is, a, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of more complicated, but um, absolutely. It's, you know, when you feel that kind of sense of life constricting, um, that, that's a very strong motivation to kind of move on, to, to keep pushing forward with your life, even if you're not exactly sure what it is that, or where it is that you want to go. And that can be very driving, motivating forces for people. Yeah. So to recap a little bit of what you're saying, it seems like your relationship with your child is number one and just communicating you care about them. Yeah. Getting them to talk about their lives, what works for them, yep. what, what's their aspirations, uh, getting them into activities. Are, yeah. are, are there other things you can do to be solution focused? Well, I, just to go back and then add on to one of the things that you were saying there about um, uh, getting them to kind of talk about what they would like out of their own life. And that includes like how they deal with their trauma. That's incredibly important for them to have autonomy. A lot of times adults uh, in have very well intentions of putting kiddos in uh, uh, therapy or other processes that direct, deal directly with trauma, but that might not be what the kiddo wants. And that can be a very frightening situation in and of itself. So just listening to them is imperative. And if you think about what the experience of trauma probably was like, it was that people weren't listening to them. They weren't mirroring them. They weren't hearing their protest. Something was happening to them. Now, natural calamity, a car accident, that's a little bit different. And then, but as far as like the trauma where somebody has done something to them, there's also generally a context of where they're not really uh, they don't feel like they're allowed to speak up about it afterwards because that kind of tends to go hand in hand. So listening to the kiddos when they speak and being able to actually affirm that that's a courageous act for them to be able to speak out, um, being able to mirror what's going on with them. If a specific situation is causing agitation, being able to recognize that and, and take action to, in order to soothe them communicates that sense of safety to them. Mm. Well, this has been a powerful conversation, Craig. Is there any uh, closing thoughts you want to share? My practice is Expansive Counseling. Uh, you can find it at expansivecounseling.com. Um, I am a strictly cash business, which can be kind of uh, narrowing, but I try to be very brief solution-focused therapy and try to make that easy as possible on clients financially. Generally, brief solution-focused solution therapy is about three to six sessions. Thank you, Craig. I've known you for a long time and I've always just appreciated your perspective. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I am Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace!